The Accidental Engineer. Hey, this is Pat of The Accidental Engineer here. Today on the show, we have Forrest Xiao. He is Senior Manager of Data Science at Trustpilot. So, Forrest, welcome today. Thank you so much for being here. Could you start off with just telling us a little bit about yourself? Hey, yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, maybe I'll give a quick bio, maybe career bio. Uh, so my name's Forrest, uh, and I'm currently a senior manager on the data science team here at Trustpilot. Um, and before this, I actually came from, I guess, way originally, I came out of neuroscience for school. Um, and then I ended up working in finance at Goldman for a couple of years, and then at a quant hedge fund called AQR. Uh, then decided I was done with the whole finance thing, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I bought a one-way flight to Thailand and traveled around the world for like a year, um, trying to figure things out, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. And that actually made the news at some point, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, when you send out a going-away email at a hedge fund and other people read about it, like, I guess it's interesting. So... I think that ended up being, they took that going away email and put it on CNBC and wrote some stuff on it. I was off like traveling in Thailand. So I like kind of briefly, it was on my radar and my inbox got crazy for a bit, but yeah. That's awesome. So what was it like working at Goldman and what made you decide to leave? Yeah. Um, well, Goldman was really interesting. It was my first job out of school, so I basically didn't know how to work. Um, so that taught me super fast how to work and how to do a lot of work. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting organization. I think uh, the culture is really unique and really strong, and um, I really appreciated it, even though it uh, it was a lot of work, and I personally thought it was... Kind of, it took more from me than I was getting out of it, but um, I don't know if that's fair either because it's it's a great brand and it was a great place to work. Yeah, and I that a lot. totally makes sense. So, tell us a little bit about like your travels. I mean, how long did you travel for? Where'd you go? What'd yeah. you get? What'd you get out of it? Uh, yeah, it's it was first off great. I think a really hard decision because when I first. When the thought first entered my mind when I was at AQR, it's like, what the, like, it seems kind of crazy. I've got a good job, and how do I, like, why do I decide to leave, or what would I do? And, you know, I think there's all sorts of opinions out there that people have on, you know, whether you should leave a job or when and what you should do with time off. But um, basically, I, at some point, was just kind of dissatisfied by, uh, I guess, working in finance like I felt like you know like what was I really adding to the world I'm making good money but like what's the point of it all um so you know I ended up like I said with this one-way flight out to Thailand I ended up doing a lot of like trying to figure out what I wanted to do types right. of things so like meditation retreat and just kind of worked on a vineyard for like a few weeks that was kind of interesting um but yeah basically around I was around Asia and Europe and Africa just kind of traveling around trying to that's really cool I mean I actually had a similar experience where I took about a year off and the reason why I did it was just because 
I felt like coming out of school, I went straight to work and I never really got the chance to just figure out what like was meaningful to me and what was valuable to my life. What would happen if I didn't have to show up to an office every day or show up to class every day? It sounds kind of scary when you're in school, but um, the experience is very freeing, and I think it allows you to really figure out what's important to you. I guess it's kind of like the whole millennial finding yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, here we are, two millennials, you know, <laughs> talking about millennial things. But I, I super feel that. Like, yeah. Um, it was definitely very, very freeing, but also kind of scary just being out of it, like out of the structure of work. Like, what am I supposed to do now? Right. Like, there's no one telling me to wake up at this time, exactly. go into the office, do this thing. Exactly. And it's interesting. Actually, I want to hear about your experience doing meditation because that's Mm -hmm. something that I also did. I I went on this 10-day meditation retreat called the Vipassana. Sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) It was highly recommended to me by a close friend. And it was something that I kept putting off because I never thought I would use my PTO time to take 10 days off to just sit in silence <laughs> it, it sounded tough. crazy yeah it, it does sound crazy even thinking back on it like i'm like yeah i guess it was a little bit crazy but it's a big <laughs> commitment so what what brought you to actually committing to do that yeah um i mean i think i was at a time in my life where like i did want to try to figure out what i wanted to do with it and i thought you know maybe like reflecting kind of turning internally would help um And then I had met a friend while traveling who was talking about it. And so I was like, oh, cool. Like, let's look around and see where, what places are doing it. And um, I was near Malaysia and they had this also a 10 day Vipassana retreat. And uh, I was like, all right, I'll just sign up. Like, I don't think I totally knew what I was getting myself (laughs) into, um, which might've been a good thing, but uh, yeah, I found it was very, I really appreciated it. I think it was really difficult 10 days like, I, I don't know if I've spent more than, I don't know if I've gone more than a few hours besides sleeping without talking before. <laughs> and so 10 days was a lot. Um, but yeah, yeah. What, how was it for you? Yeah, no, it was funny because uh, I I went to my retreat in Japan. Uh, so there are centers, I guess, all over the world. But uh, I just happened to be in Japan at that time. And I met other travelers, international travelers. And a lot of them said, well, this was just something that I heard was cool and they put you up for free and there's free Mm -hmm. food. And I thought I was running out of money. So (laughs) (laughs) classic traveler problems, Uh, need money, what to do. All I have to do is sit in silence for 10 days. Sounds great. Okay. Uh, But then talking to everybody afterwards, everyone that I met had... Well, they all felt that it was just the most rewarding thing that they've done in a long time. For me, it was really useful to also not speak (laughs) for an extended (laughs) amount of time for the first time ever. Um, Yeah, it's got to be hard as a host of the Accidental Engineer to (laughs) not speak for a little bit. We wouldn't have any more shows. (laughs) (laughs) But 
besides that, it just helped me kind of like slow down and really think about like what was important, like what actually went through my head. When you're working or going to school, you're you're really like in the middle of everything going on. You're thinking about, you know, how am I going to complete my next project or, um, you know, like what about like my next midterm? Like I need <laughs> to really study for that. <laughs> yeah, there's always something in the external world. Yeah, yeah so it just really helped let everything kind of like settle and see things a little more clearly. So it's something that I definitely am glad that I did uh, during my time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to hear about more things that you did on your during your time off too, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think there are definitely like kind of big formative experiences. Uh, like I do think this 10-day silent meditation retreat was... Uh, a big one. Um, like I said, I ended up working on a vineyard for a few weeks. I also uh, ended up in a country, Malawi, which uh, I think most people haven't really heard of. But uh, I think when we were chatting the other day, you actually have a connection to Malawi, which <laughs> I was like, wow, this is like the second person that I've ever talked to that knows Malawi. <laughs> right. It's crazy because it's the, it's the like really tiny country in the in southern africa right yeah i ended up going there because i had a friend that did peace corps there how did you end up it's a good question how does anyone (laughs) in malawi um i guess i was in hungary at the time uh and i was like you know what like i'm reasonably close to africa i think once i get back into my day-to-day like life, it's going to be harder if I'm somewhere in the U.S. to go visit Africa. And so I was like, at first I was thinking, maybe I'll just do this whole Cairo to Cape Town. There's like an epic road trip. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Um, But it it turned out like there's like some kind of unrest in Egypt at the time. And I was like, I'm not trying to get killed. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, then I was just Googling more accessible places in Africa that I still, I was hoping to get some kind of perspective on, you know, like a lot of the continent isn't well off economically. And so there's a lot of poverty and trying to understand what life is like in those situations, mm-hmm. which is how I end up in Malawi, which, you know, it's one of the poorest countries in the world, sub-Saharan Africa. And but like super nice, kind people, a lot of them speak English, which is, was really helpful. Um, so that was, that made a big impression on me for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure it was, uh, an, an interesting experience, um, yeah. similar to my experience traveling there. Uh, how long were you there and what were you doing? Yeah, it was a good question. Uh, I was there for like a month and a half. I think time really, the whole concept of time, I like lost track of when I was there. I remember being in like a town center and there was a clock and on each face of the clock was a different time. And it wasn't because it was one of those like cool clocks that shows different times in different <laughs> cities in the world. It was just people like had not kept track of it uniformly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I spent a month and a half there. I traveled around. I spent some time kind of helping wire up electricity. Um, I ended up at, there's like a big um, African kind of music performance festival type of thing on the lake. Um, but I think one of the interesting things I took away from it, besides just getting to meet a lot of the people who lived there and seeing what life was like, was um, 
I ended up getting a pair of flip-flops, I guess sandals, um, from Malawi. And someone had made it out of uh, tire treads. Uh, so just kind of reusing tires, cutting out uh, a sole from it, yeah. putting some leather and straps on it. Um, like car tires. Yeah, like car tires. Uh, so, you know, super durable sole, but I thought they were really cool, so I got a pair. Um, and actually, I recently, like, I brought them back to New York, and I've been wearing mm-hmm. them around the city, and, you know, it, the memory of Malawi is, like, still with me. And so I thought, like... Maybe I should just do something about it. And yeah. people have been commenting on the sandals. So I decided to put up a website. Uh, I, maybe I can give you a link afterwards. Yeah. But uh, I was like, oh, what should I call it? Maybe I'll call them treads because they're like tire treads. Um, and maybe we can sell them and give part of the money uh, back to people in Malawi uh, to make sure like a f- dollar a day goes really far there yeah, right so absolutely. it's it makes a big impact and i've sold a few and kind of excited to get this moving forward and growing right and i i checked out the website which is tread.ventures i couldn't afford treads.com so <laughs> <laughs> maybe not yet yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i checked them out I'm also looking at your sandals right now, and they're Ooh. super cool. Yeah. There's uh, there's tread on the bottom, so you know you're not going to slip around like yeah. those, those other like cheap sandals. And good for the world, hopefully. You good, know, definitely good for the those world. Used tires. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then also the the money that goes into it, I saw on your website that one pair can feed a whole family for a week. Is that right? Yeah. It's it's amazing. Just kind of thinking about what what people in the US pay for different things mm-hmm. and how i guess how companies might use those margins in the US versus how someone could use that money in a developing world like Malawi it's the impact and it's so cool i guess to be able to you know i have friends that are still there who are helping with this and um to be able to like see the impact and i think something i want to do more of too is to get interviews with uh, the people that this money is actually helping and put those on the website. That would be really cool to see. Yeah. So for me personally, I'm always kind of on the lookout for interesting volunteering op- uh, opportunities. I think it's really important to like give back, to have an impact on the community. And sometimes it's hard to find time to be able to do that. So I look mm-hmm. towards maybe donating, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of like monetary contribution. And... I think what's really powerful about buying a pair of these sandals is just the pure impact that you can see on the other end of it. So buying a whole week's worth of food, like that's kind of crazy that you can do that. So I think that I would really encourage anybody listening to check out the website. Um, I'm looking at them again right now. They're super sweet. I definitely want to get a pair for myself, too. (laughs) It's finally getting warm in New York City, so it's perfect perfect timing. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. It really is true. I think, I don't know, it's getting, I guess, to what you said about the impact. I think we're so disconnected in some ways and uh, to things we have or what we're interacting with. And, I mean, this kind of ties a little bit to data science too, I guess, where mm-hmm. you just end up looking at a bunch of numbers sometimes and not, don't always see the impact on what's going on that I think 
you know, strengthening that connection between the impact and um, either what you're buying or the work that you're mm -hmm. working on is seems to make things so tangible and you know, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And that's actually a really good segue, uh, because I wanted to ask you, how did you decide to finally come back to the U S and how did you end up getting into data science? Yeah. Uh, so it was an interesting journey. I, I ended up back in Houston for the holidays. My mom lives in Houston. And, uh, so I was there and, you know, eating a ton of food because I'm at home <laughs> and my mom has a bunch of trees in the backyard, like fruit trees, because she's been like super <laughs> into growing that. So helping her That's out with awesome. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I started emailing a couple people and organizations that uh, were interesting to me where I thought they were doing interesting things. Um, and one of them in New York called Rocket Trip uh, kind of answered back and wanted to set up some time to do a video chat and talk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, next thing I know, they're asking if I could come up uh, in a month to start in New York. And I was like, you know, I, I guess, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Um, so that's how I ended up... Uh, as the founding member of the business intelligence team at Rocket Trip, um, and eventually building out that team. Cool. What drew you to that company? Yeah, I think. Well, I think they're doing a really interesting thing, um, and the mission I think is really spoke to me. Um, but the idea is that they're a behavioral change platform uh, focused right now on business travel yeah. and business travel, you know, if you travel around for work, the idea is you don't usually care how much you're spending because the company is paying for it. Right. Uh, so and th the thought is what happens if you, can you get people to care about it by giving them skin in the game where if let's say they save $500 on a trip, uh, what if you give them half of that savings back in cash? Uh, so you save $500. The company gets to keep $250 of that savings. Right. The traveler gets $250. Will people change their behavior? And uh, turns out the answer is yes, they are saving companies money on this. Um, what I like about it is this alignment between the company's interests and the people's interests. Before you joined, what sort of skills from your background helped you out with not only doing a good job there, but getting the job? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it helped that I had um, a quantitative background. Uh, I had different strains of it, and I think that's kind of a tough part about the whole data, data science, business intelligence world is, yeah, it's such a big space, and there's so many... Uh, people coming from different backgrounds that all interact with data and numbers somehow. Uh, so at Goldman, I got really familiar with Excel. It's kind of the right. bread and butter. Um, and just, you know, from my background in neuroscience, and I'd taken a couple computer science classes, um, just getting comfortable with numbers in general. And then at AQR, uh, I got more familiar with different, uh, like, econometric techniques just because mm -hmm. uh, AQR had a bunch of 
econ PhDs. And actually that was like kind of the core founders came out of econ PhD right. backgrounds. Um, and also fun fact, uh, AQR is where, uh, the Python library pandas spun out of Wes McKinney, uh, had started that I think a few years before I joined, but it's kind of a cool, wow, cool that, fact. That there. is really cool. I actually had no idea yeah. where it came from. Well, now I know. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's been evolving, and I think Wes is he's been putting a ton of work into yeah. it. I don't know him personally, yeah, but uh-huh. I think their roots are at AQR, which is kind of neat. So I also picked up you know some SQL and Python mm-hmm. there too. Got it. Um, but I think also you know, as to how that helped Rocket Trip, um, I think it was helpful, especially because I joined as a, when it was a Series A startup with like 20-something people. Yeah. Uh, it was helpful that I think I had kind of a broad array of both like Excel-based work and um, SQL and some Python. Mm-hmm. Uh so I could kind of immediately take over, like, here's some of the needs that, like, we need to get out the door now, but also right. help it grow into, like, here's where we need to be. Right. And how was that transition not only from not having worked in a while, but also <laughs> <laughs> that's true, coming from a background in finance to a tech company? Yeah. Um, it... It was interesting as for like having not worked for a while. I thought like one funny thing, it wasn't like super funny at the time, but I I remember I was kind of sitting at my computer doing a lot of typing computer work Uh and, uh, my, I think this was like a weekend. I was like, I think I'm getting like tendonitis, like my hand really (laughs) hurts. Like, ah, shoot, I'm really like out of the loop on this type of stuff. I got to like practice getting my finger muscles back. Um, so that, that's like (laughs) an immediate thing. Uh, in terms of transitioning from finance, uh, it was, it's really different, I think, in the tech scene versus finance scene. Just things felt a little more free. You know, this is not some super buttoned up, uh, you know, like big Wall Street firm or wherever where um, there's a ton of focus on like, hey, uh, you have to show up at this time of day every day uh, looking like this and right. kind of constantly just being on, um, there's, there's more of like, Hey, here's a bunch of stuff going on, figure out what you need to do. Like, um, you're not being kind of watched over constantly, uh, which I really appreciated the freedom at the same time. I think culturally rocket trip was also, um, I think, working in some ways similar to Goldman, where it's like it was, I think it was maybe from focusing on like the B2B space, uh, it is more enterprisey. So, uh, you know, we do, I mean, I generally think this anyway, but like numbers have to be like right and perfect. And like, Mm -hmm. we do want uh, things to be polished, but it's also still a startup. So there's a balance. Exactly. So right now you're, the senior manager of data science at Trustpilot. So can you tell us a little bit about the company and what you're doing there? Yeah, sure. Uh, Trustpilot, it's kind of like the TripAdvisor for the online e-commerce space. The idea is if I'm, let's say some company Blue Apron is advertising to me and I'm like, what the heck is Blue Apron? It's just some like online company and they're trying to sell me 
food? Like, do I trust them? <laughs> like, should I eat this food? Uh, I probably want to go online and do some research. And Trustpilot uh, gathers, it's an open source platform. It gathers, or an open platform, and it gathers reviews from all over the internet. Uh, and it both makes them available on its own website. Uh, if you're a customer, you can embed the reviews different ways on your own website. And if you've ever searched Google and seen uh, like little gold stars pop up um, when you search for a company, Trustpilot also feeds their reviews into that. Uh, okay. The triple threat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is Tread Ventures yeah. rated on Trustpilot? Uh, it is not, though it should be. I have to look into uh, the, the rules around how <laughs> I'm able to gather reviews. I haven't navigated that yet, but someday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I, I, I do think it helps. It helps a lot, both in uh, helping with organic web traffic and um, helping, I guess, make sure if you, for instance, have ratings on like a order now page on your mm -hmm. website like people are like oh this is legit like i'll actually buy from you not just like where am i sending my money on the internet exactly <laughs> i i've never heard of this company before but i like the product yeah. i just don't know if i'm actually gonna get that product like shipped yeah. to my door someday is it real yeah i yeah. think it's it's been bigger so it actually came out of denmark our founder is uh, Danish, I guess. Um, but we're, they're based in Copenhagen. Um, and they grew out there and it's big in the UK now. And so the idea is like the U S is a big market. It's ours. I'm sure. Yeah. To win, you know, so, uh, let's figure out what to do here. Cool. So then how are you helping out with that? Yeah, sure. So I actually came on when I joined, there was no business intelligence team or data team focused on, uh, the commercial side of things. Um, we had a few data scientists embedded into different areas of the product. Uh, so I came here actually starting up the business intelligence team and eventually we joined forces just because it makes sense to kind of unite and pool all our data teams together yeah. uh, into an overarching data science team where my focus is still on the commercial side. How do we, who should we focus our efforts on, uh, what kind of activity should we be doing, uh, that type of thing. Awesome. And how did you know how to build a business intelligence or data science team? Did you have anybody that was there to mentor you? Yeah, I think a couple of things helped. One, one thing that helped was, uh, I think my time at bigger organizations to start with, like uh, Goldman, obviously, but AQR, it was smaller, but also much more quantitative. And so seeing how things were done there, there was a lot, you know, there was a lot I learned there that I didn't even realize were like going to be important, useful things that yeah. when I went to rocket trip, I was like, Oh yeah. Like I, you know, like here's how people think about it in one place. Yeah. Like it, we could definitely do something like that here. Um, but also talking to other people in the space. I think that's one cool thing about, uh, New York, uh, is that there's, you know, it's a big city. There's a lot of people within different areas of data, data science, business intelligence. Um, and, but it's like a tight enough 
texting where you can actually like reach out to people and you've got like, you know, a friend of a friend who's, you know, in the space and you can talk to them. So we ended up meeting with a few people from uh, different companies, just hearing their perspectives and hearing what they were thinking about or um, what they were having issues with. And that helped a lot. Awesome. So is Trustpilot hiring right now? Uh, yeah, we're definitely hiring. We just closed a $55 million Series E round. So wow, we're definitely trying to grow. Thanks. That was, that was a fun December for me last year. But uh, yeah, I mean, now, you know, like we definitely have growth plans and data is a part of that. Um, so we're hiring in New York uh, for an analyst position on my team. Uh, there's, maybe we can put a link or somewhere, but it's, I think the job has been posted now. Um, yeah, we can definitely put a link to that, uh, on the show page. Cool. I'm curious, what sort of things do you look for in not only interviewing an analyst candidate, but also looking at, I'm sure dozens and dozens of resumes that Mm -hmm. come your way? Yeah, I think, um, some of the things we've talked about, uh, that are important. I think having a quantitative background, whether it's, you know, formally or whether you've learned it on your own. Uh, I think one nice thing about people in the space I really like is everyone seems, uh, you know, really curious and really motivated to learn stuff on their own kind of because they had to, cause yeah. there's hasn't like in the past been like, Oh, here's X, Y, and Z you need to do to yeah. become, you know, uh, analyst or a data scientist or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think just having demonstrated both some quantitative and technical abilities, I guess I'll distinguish that by saying like quantitative, I'm thinking about as being good with numbers and statistics and Mm -hmm. technical being, you know, able to work with like SQL and Python or R just, um, and then having had, uh, either projects, hopefully at work, if you can work those in and have real results that have benefited a company, that's great. Cause, um, you know, there's, I think doing your own projects is good and useful too, and definitely really cool. But, uh, there's something about getting stuff done within a larger organization that, turns out to be not quite the same thing as just working on like a nice clean data set that you have access to and like building a cool model. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think those are kind of the general things. Cool. Uh, what are some things that you personally like about working at Trustpilot? Yeah, I think it's a really cool, um, yes, really cool vibe. Great team. Uh, we're, I mentioned before that uh, we're spread across multiple offices. Same is true for the data science team at Trustpilot. So, uh, you know, it means we've got really cool, like, resources and perspectives from across the world. And we also have, like, centralized channels, like, on Slack. Like, there's one called... Well, we have like our team channel where we share a lot of things, but there's also one called Club Data and ML, and there's just like people posting random, cool, interesting, like uh, either resources or like papers and stuff like that on there. Um, and I think there's a good focus on you know getting, wanting people to grow and kind of giving them resources to help grow. Like um, I think I forget if I mentioned I am part of a, uh, there's a graduate certificate, 
um, Stanford offers for computer science, artificial intelligence. And um, I, I thought this could really help. And so I wanted to uh, take or I guess be part of that program um, and was encouraged at work to cool. do it. Uh, so I think it's it's just been really great for my personal growth too. Yeah, it sounds like they just really have supported you in your career here um, at Trustpilot. Uh, how have you found that program to be so far? It's, it's really good. I think um, it's nice because I think their professors are some of the top professors in the space. So a lot of what I'm learning is pretty new. I think, uh, it's, it's applied enough where I can actually like take some techniques that we learned and could practically try to apply it to other areas. Yeah. Uh, like actually apply it to work. Um, it is, it's definitely hard because like the classes I'm taking are actual, like graduate level classes I get credit for. And so balancing school with work, uh, especially actually like the semester was the last semester was ending in December. And that was also when we were fundraising and I was just like, Oh man, (laughs) fuck my life right now. But, uh, it was, it was really helpful and I really appreciate it. I'm curious, you have these, uh, you have a quantitative background from working in finance, but what other types of skills have really helped you out at Trustpilot? Um, for example, maybe skills that are a little more, that are considered to be soft skills, like mm-hmm. maybe it's presentations or communications with senior leadership. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And I think it's useful too, because it's definitely something that, um, think we want to consider in the hiring process too, um, is communication ability and being able to, you know, work with business stakeholders, understand their domains, understand their needs and translate that into a data problem. Um, just because I think one difficult part is for someone with business needs, who's not, necessarily a data oriented person to ask questions or ask for things in a way that really makes sense as framing it as a Mm -hmm. data problem. Um, and then also once the work, the data work has been done, uh, being able to present it back to, uh, like senior leadership, um, and explain it in a way that's simple and understandable. And, you know, we could include at, let's say like a board level, um, that, that communication is key because not everyone thinks the way, you know, we might think. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious about one thing. Yeah. Do you ever get the travel bug or the desire to just up and leave? I, here's a funny (laughs) story. I, so for the first, I don't, I don't think it was a year, but maybe like half year or something when I was back at rocket trip, I had my backpack, my travel backpack fully packed that I was bringing into work every day. Cause I was like, you know, just in case, like I want to leave or like, I'm like not feeling it. I feel like with my backpack here, I can just go and it's not a big deal. And you really thought that might've happened. Like you I wanted to give yourself the option. To I do did want to give myself the option. And I told, I think our like VP of product or something. And he was like, man, that's kind of messed up, man. But like, <laughs> like, I was like, look, I, I don't know. I 
that's what was going on. And I mean, it was, it was like kind of joking too, yeah. but like, like, I don't know, it kind of helped ease in. Like, I'm curious how you're doing with the transition. Yeah. I mean, I actually started working again, like about a month ago after having a year off and so far <laughs> still there, still got a job. <laughs> I still have a job. Um, I think coming back to work after having that much time off gave me a better perspective and more energy. I mean, if mm. you take a break, you're going to come back recharged. That's why everyone should take vacations more often. Mm. Um, Preach. I think, yeah. I think that you just come back refreshed, you're more productive, you get more stuff done, and you're happier about it. Now I kind of look at work like... Um, through a different kind of lens. I, I know why I joined the company that I'm at and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Whereas before, I kind of questioned that a little bit. And having the time off helped me reevaluate it. So do you think that taking significant time off is right for everybody? I think, I mean, I think it was a... Uh privilege to be able to do it um it's hard for me to blanket say that like everyone should at least for me it was really helpful and kind of gave me time to think about I guess, think about what I wanted and change my perspective a bit and I appreciate where I am now or like you said kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing and it feels more purposeful um I think I think there's probably other ways to achieve that, but I don't know. For me, travel was really helpful for it. Yeah, I think that... I think the scariest... One of the other scary aspects of taking so much time off was not knowing if my money was going to mm-hmm. last me that long and also not knowing what to do once I got to a country. And that's actually something that I was curious about was when you went to Malawi, like, how did you get in touch with people to, like, help out work on projects? Yeah, that's a that's a good point, especially, like, Malawi. Like, it was a place that was hard to do research about, like, up front because the Internet, for some reason, is not just, like, blaring things about Malawi. Yeah. They might be underrepresented on the Internet. Yeah. Um but I basically just got there. It was kind of a funny situation. I landed at the airport. I online I had found I think some some like hostel type of thing that like I had to email and they had to confirm that it was like okay it's cool if you come here and there's some instructions of how to get there. Um, I get to the airport and I'm like ah oh, shit like transportation is going to be hard. Like is there like a taxi or something and. Uh, there's kind of some leaps of faith that I had to make. Like I met some guy in the airport and we're talking and he seemed like a good guy. And he was like, Hey, look, I can offer a ride, but not in, to me, didn't seem like a sketchy situation. He was like, yeah, like my, one of my friends is picking us, me up. Like if you need a ride, I can at least drop you off at this place. Uh, so I got in the car with him 
and we got to some place, but like cars down there also weren't super reliable. So this right. car like broke down and then we had to get <laughs> someone had to call to get another car to pick us up and drop us off somewhere. And then I end up in the center of town uh, from there had been able to get a ride to like this hostel place. Um, but I think basically for me getting to like some center of like activity or knowledge sharing, whether it's like a hostel or some other kind of community or group activity was helpful. Cause from there, like for an instance at this hostel, there were more people traveling through, like there was a lot of volunteers down there, yeah. like Peace Corps. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's how, for instance, they, I was just there and, uh, truck rolled up one morning and a bunch of people started getting on and I was like, where's everyone going? And they're like, Hey, like we're, there's a school that's being set up and we want to, there's a project to like get power wired into, uh, some of the rooms and like, do you want to help? It's like, yeah, sure. That sounds cool. Like, and I think one of the cool parts about not, not being in like the day-to-day grind is like there's opportunities when they come up to be like, yeah, like this sounds like a really cool thing I want to help with. It sounds like it's going to be good for the community here. Let's do it. Um, and I think kind of positionally like being in, you can put yourself in certain situations where more of that stuff is possible, um, which, you know, I, I was in the right place at the right time to help with that. Um, Yeah. Okay. So I think this was a super interesting conversation. You have had a really amazing journey into what you do today. So I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy listening to this. Cool. Yeah. I'm psyched to to be on the show, psyched to help out. And I definitely encourage everyone to check out Tread Ventures. Check out those sandals. They're actually really cool looking. I think it's amazing that they have tire tread on the bottom. Uh, I'm definitely going to get a pair on uh, myself and then Ooh. view it on Trustpilot. Yes, yes. <laughs> That'll <laughs> so that be great. people know how cool they are. It all ties in. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for the time. See ya. All right. For more, visit us on iTunes or our website at theaccidentalengineer.com.